0: Girlfriends, episode number 172, How to Make Good Habits Stick. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about how to make that great big leap from what you know you should be doing to actually doing it, how to make good habits stick. Can't wait to talk to you about this important topic. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? how's your week going? I hope you're getting a great start to this week. I'm pre-recording some of these shows, so I don't know exactly where you're going to be when you're listening to this, but I'm recording this inside of the month of May to get prepared to be working ahead just a little bit because my daughter is getting married May 26th, and I have so much on my plate between now and then. So I'm happy to be taking this time a little bit here and to focus on you guys here in my girlfriend's podcast and all the ways that we can connect here about the things that really matter about our health, about our wellness, about our family relationships inside parenting and marriage. And this week's topic is something that kind of covers all of those things. I was intrigued. So I was intrigued by an email that was sent to me by listener Erin recently, and this is kind of what prompted me to take on this topic today. Let me just share with you what Erin sent me. So Erin sent in her email, hi, Danielle. Um, She wrote a little bit about what's going on with her three-year-old. Erin, no, I'm praying for you with that situation, but that's not today's topic. I'm just taking the end of her email here. She says, I really love listening to your podcast because I feel like they make me a better person or at least want to be a better person. I sometimes lack motivation to follow through on the things I know I should be doing in my parenting, and taking care of my health, and in my marriage. I'm not sure what it says about my personality type, but I feel like the easy part is knowing what I should be doing, and the hard part is actually doing it. If I could research my way into being a better wife and mom, that would be amazing. So, any suggestions for someone like me who needs a kick in the pants? Yours, Erin. Well, first of all, Erin, I really appreciate your email because I think that's everybody's experience actually. So I'm not sure what it says about your personality type, except that you are completely human and it's very understandable. I mean, that's that's the hard part, right? We know, we can know all the things that we should be doing, but then it's a matter of figuring out how to make the time for it, how to actually make it a priority, how to make these things actually happen in your life. And I'm going to be sharing here today um, from my own experience and my own struggles with this same thing because I'm, you know, I don't have it all figured out and I'm not perfect about these things either. But what I find helpful here in the podcast is sharing not from some high (laughs) mountaintop where I've got all the answers, but I really love sharing with you about the things that matter to me and the things that I struggle with. And my own kind of observations and experimentations on myself in my own relationships and my own work and in the things that I do. Um and you know I find that that's a really helpful way that women can share with one another. Like the things that I struggle with, I know a lot of you are struggling with and when you email me and you let me know what you're struggling with, a lot of other people are too. So that's part of what I find so encouraging about the sharing that we're able to do here on the podcast. It's that these are struggles that we all have in common. These are things that we all do struggle with. And this is such a basic one. And I love that you're so, you know, humble in the way that you're sharing about this, Aaron. Um, whatever particular uh, goal you might have, whether it's for your health or it's inside of your marriage or with your kids or in your work, that we can set those goals. And then it's like, how do I make myself do it now, right? This is, this is the fallen nature of mankind. The fact that we kind of have this struggle to do what we say we want and to not do what we say we don't want, right? So all these things I'm going to share today can kind of work in the reverse too with regard to breaking bad habits. We talked a lot about habits here on the podcast and I'm a big believer in habits. Um, I find that if you can make something a habit, and I don't know what the definition of that would be. I mean, I've heard people say different things like, if you do something for 21 days, it's a habit. Well, I'm not sure that there's something magical about 21 days. And I for sure have done things for 21 days and then quit. <laughs> so I don't think that that's really a hard and fast rule. But, you know, once you something becomes a regular part of your life and you're not having to force yourself and choose to do it in a really deliberate way that's when it becomes easy. That's when it becomes a natural part of who you are and just your way of life. And that's truly what our goal is with so many of the things, whether it's something with regard to how you're eating or whether or not you're exercising or how diligent you are inside of your housework or um, making time for your marriage or consistency and discipline, like we've talked about for the past few episodes. Um, All of these things, once it becomes a habit and it isn't something you're having to really think through and really use a lot of your willpower to make it happen, um, That that's when it becomes easy. That's when it becomes a natural part of who you are. And that ultimately is our goal with all of these things that we say we want. So I've got four different things that I'm going to share with you. Again, not rocket science, just really sharing um, some from my own reading and research and things that I've done online, but also other podcasts I've listened to. So not all of this is coming straight from me, but a lot of it is based on my own experiences in struggling to make good things habit, make good things, good habits stick in my life. So first one I'm going to mention is identify your pitfalls. This is pretty basic, right? This seems pretty obvious. Number one, identify what your pitfalls are. And now one really helpful way of looking at this, this is something I heard, I don't know exactly where I heard it. It was inside of a podcast anyway, where somebody was recommending the practice of I may have mentioned this on the podcast previously. I don't know. Um, The practice of having a pre-mortem. Okay. We usually talk about a post-mortem. If you're in a workplace that uses that kind of language, sometimes after a big project, you'll have a meeting that's called a post-mortem. We used to do this um, in editorial meetings that I would have in various publications that I've worked with over the years. After an issue has been published you have a post-mortem and go back through the issue, um, sometimes in a painstaking way, page by page, and say, oh, hey, this didn't really work. Oh, this got messed up here. I would have done this differently next time. Oh, this is a great writer. Let's be sure to use him again or whatever it is. Um, A post-mortem, right? Going through after a project is completed. But a pre-mortem, this is a new concept. And this is something I find really helpful. Before you begin anything, think about no, this seems counterintuitive, think about the ways you might fail. Imagine you failed. <laughs> so back when I heard this, and I wish I could remember which podcast I heard it on so that I could credit it properly. But back when I heard this, the person was saying like, at the start of a big project with um, in inside of a workplace, they would have a pre-mortem before they begin a big project, like whether they're working on a, a special event or a project for a new client or um, whatever, they would sit down and say, okay, Let's imagine this project is completed and it has failed. Now list all the reasons why you think it has failed. And this person um, was astonished at the lists that people could come up with of ways in which projects were going to fail. So we can do this on our own personal level. When you're beginning a new habit, something you want to take on, say you want to go for a walk every, every day at lunch. Ask yourself right now, let's say uh, two weeks from now, um, let's imagine I have failed at going for a walk every day after lunch. Why did I fail? And then list your reasons. What are they? Are they because it's uh, because of bad weather and you don't like to get out in the bad weather? Is it because you feel crunched for time? Is it because you're going to be uh, too tempted and you're going to end up watching Netflix during that time? Is it um, that your, your husband always calls you around that time or your kids need you at that time or... Um, you feel guilty, whatever it is, make your list of why you have failed in taking on this new habit. If it's, you know, for eating, um, eating healthier, eating, you know, making better choices with regard to what you're eating. Let's imagine two weeks from now, you have utterly failed in that goal of eating healthier. Why did you fail? Is it because of special events? Is it because your pantry is stocked with a bunch of stuff that you don't want to be eating? Is it because you get tempted when your kids are around and they're eating junk food? Uh, What is it? So identify what your triggers are, what the things are, what the obstacles are before you even face them. And then prepare yourself for them or figure out a workaround for them. Knowing it ahead of time is power on your side. So have this pre-mortem. With regard to whatever new habit it is that you want to be taking on, list all the things that are going to trip you up, that are going to mess you up. And I promise you, you know what they are already, especially with these habits that we've struggled and we've failed and we've tried to take them on and we resolve again. Um, Sometimes we resolve again without doing all the homework of figuring out why we failed before and fixing it. Sometimes we kind of shortcut uh, to our detriment because in the end, we're going to be more successful if we can figure out what's going to trip us up and make a plan to work around it right from the start. Make a plan to combat those things or, you know, remove those things right from the start. So identify what the bad habit is that you might be tempted to fall into in place of it, what triggers it, and what you can do to change that. We all have things that we can do to change it. If it's something that's unchangeable, then maybe think about shifting what your actual goal is, what the habit is that you want to do. If it's going for a walk at lunchtime and that just seems impossible for whatever reason, maybe going for a walk in the evening after dinner or before dinner or in first thing in the morning or, you know, adjust it so that you can have your best chance of success. If you're anticipating that you're going to be stressed out and that's going to throw you off, then have a plan in place already for dealing with that stress. Do you see what I'm doing? So come up with your list and then eliminate your list. Whether it's by shifting your goal, shifting what habit you want to develop, changing it, tweaking it just a little bit, or finding a, a way ahead of time to combat those things or eliminate those things that are going to trigger you toward negative habits in place of your good ones. Okay, so that's the first one. Identify your pitfalls. Have that pre mortem And you know what? That works in lots of things. I mentioned it working in the workplace. It can work inside of your marriage too. If you have a goal inside of your marriage and you want to talk with your husband about a goal that you have, whether it's date nights once a week or um, prayer time together as a couple or whatever it is, have a pre-mortem with your husband. Have a pre-mortem with your kids about something that you want to be accomplishing. Okay? So that's the first one. Identify what your pitfalls are. All right. Number two, make your laziness work for you. I love this one because (laughs) it's a positive spin on what otherwise is a negative thing about us. We tend to think, you know what, we always do. This is human nature. We fall into, you know, the path of least resistance, right? So um, whatever's easiest or most convenient is what we end up doing. Sometimes in astonishing ways, if you look up studies on this, it's actually amazing. Just making something ever so slightly less convenient for people makes it so they don't choose that thing. In large percentages, so make this this human nature ha- habit work for you. Make your laziness work for you. So um, depends on what your goal is, right? If um, well, I, healthy eating is such an easy one to go to, but um, so if you you want to. Um, not eat ice cream and you're going to have ice cream in your house for other household members. (laughs) This happens, right? We all have to make these compromises. I like at the beginning of all these like eat healthier programs, they're like, get all the junk out of your house. Well, that does make a lot of sense, right? Because if it's not in your house, you're not going to eat it. And it would be a very deliberate thing to like get in your car and drive to the store and buy the ice cream and bring it home and eat it, right? Um, Much less likely to kind of fall into that accidentally. (laughs) But um we have other people in our household and I find it's not fair to say nobody can eat ice cream because it's a temptation for me. If something is a serious, serious temptation for you though, you can make it a lot less convenient. You can store the ice cream in, um, uh, I don't know, in a locked box in the freezer that your only your kid knows the combination to or something. Um, it doesn't even have to be that dramatic. Like having um, you know, the snack foods in a place where it's really inconvenient to access them, um, I think that that might be something that could get in the way enough, just enough, so that you're not choosing that thing anymore. You're not falling into that. And what I find really works well is having the healthy habits super easy, so that you're almost kind of falling into those in place, right? So um, keeping along our example of healthy eating, you might at the start of the week prep a bunch of healthy snacks and just have them available and ready in your pantry and in your freezer or in your refrigerator. I've done this before with chopping up vegetables to make it super easy for me to make a a salad at lunchtime. Um, You know, there have been seasons in my life where I've made it a goal to have a salad for lunch every single day. Well, something that makes that super easy is to have all the stuff prepped. So that it's not like, oh my gosh, I got to pull out this and then I got to chop up that and then I have to peel this. And then, yeah, no, have it all ready to go. Prepare it ahead of time and make it like a no brainer dumb thing that you can just fall into. Or, um, you know, if you're going to be on the go and you know you're going to end up, you know, feeling hungry and you want snacks with you, make sure that you have convenient snacks in your car or in your bag so that you're not tempted to just run into a convenience store and buy chips or whatever. So making that super convenient. Same thing with exercising. If it's your goal to make that a habit, take the lazy way. (laughs) Set out all your stuff the night before. Have all of your stuff ready to go. I recently heard the tip of um, taking your workout clothes. And this is something that's really kind of cool, because I never thought about doing it before. Like take a whole outfit. Don't just have a drawer that has all of your workout gear in it, whether, you know, like your um, running bras and um, leggings and, you know, the running shirts and the kind of socks you wear, athletic socks or whatever. Have it all pack it up together when you're folding your laundry in outfits, like a whole outfit ready to go with like you'd have the leggings and the socks and the um, the bra and the shirt all together and just like roll them up or fold them up together. So it's all in one thing in your drawer. You'd be amazed how much easier that makes. <laughs> this is so dumb, but this is human nature. How much easier that makes choosing to work out. It's right there. You don't even have to pick out the outfit and figure out what goes together. Just grab it and um, put it in your bag if you're going to the gym. Grab it first thing in the morning if you're getting up and working out. Grab it and put it in your suitcase if you're traveling and it's your goal to exercise while you're traveling. And it's all right there. So, um, and and this is actually really helpful if you travel um, because I know before I have traveled and I neglected to bring a a certain, you know, running sweatshirt or whatever with me. And so it kind of made it feel like, oh, I can't even work out while I'm doing this, while I'm in this place, because I forgot the one thing. But if you have all the stuff together, you're not going to forget the one thing. Um, so that's just one example. But, you know, if, you're, if your goal is to um, keep up with your housework, this is a good one. Keep all of your cleaning supplies together. Like um, it makes it so much easier if you're going to clean bathrooms, if you have one little caddy with all your bathroom cleaning stuff in it and you just grab it and go, right? It's so dumb, but it really makes a huge difference in um, whether or not you're willing to kind of take on that task that you know when you want to be doing, right? So make it easier to do. Use your laziness. We're very lazy and uh, we're very efficient, actually. It's built in, right? It's built into our DNA because this is how human beings have survived for thousands of years is by conserving our energy. And so choosing the thing that's the easiest is something that's kind of built in. And so make that instinct, make that drive work for you. And, um, you know, so prepare as much as you can ahead of time. Make good choices convenient and make bad choices inconvenient. So there you go. Um, We've talked before, and this is just one more example of the same thing, about um, setting up your phone so that social media isn't so readily accessible. So dumb and so effective. I'm amazed at how effective this is. So if you... um, you know, change where you keep your social media apps on your phone. You can put them like I do. I have them not on my home screen at all. But if you have if you go on my phone and go to the home screen, you gotta swipe to the right, open up a folder, and that's where all of my social media is. Just those two extra little taps slow me way the heck down. And I'm not just mindlessly clicking over and getting onto social media. So if you're trying to use your time more wisely, if that's a goal of yours, if that's a habit that you want to establish, then make it super easy to choose something else on your phone like a prayer app and less convenient so that you have to be more deliberate and thoughtful about it to choose a mindless game or a time waster like Instagram, okay? So those are um, my first two. Identify your pitfalls and then make your laziness work for you. Okay, the third way that I wanna mention to make a good habit stick is to hold yourself accountable. So um, those of you who listen to Gretchen Rubin's podcast, Happier, I've heard from a number of you who enjoy that. So I know I'm not the only one who enjoys that. If um, if you like Girlfriends, you probably would like Happier because uh, I think they they take on a lot of the same topics, but maybe from a more practical standpoint, um, it's Gretchen Rubin and her sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who share on that podcast about different ways to be happier, to make your goals stick and that sort of thing. Um, but one of the things that Gretchen Rubin talks about are the four tendencies. So this, these are different temperatures temperaments. And um, I actually had somebody recently write in to me about the tendencies. And if I have time at the end of this show, I'm going to share her email. Um, but so she groups people into these categories, according to how they respond to expectations. So if they respond to outer expectations coming to them from other people in a positive way, like they're, they will do something if other people are expecting them to do it, um, she puts them in a category called Obligers. So those are people who respond well to outer expectations from other people. So um, if someone's expecting something from you, you're going to do it. Um, People who are obligers, though, don't respond well to inner expectations, like expectations or standards they might set for themselves. So like we're talking about here today, you might have a goal. It's your personal goal to set a certain healthy habit. Um, If you happen to be an obliger, according to these four different tendencies, then um, just setting that goal for yourself and expecting that of yourself isn't enough you need some outside accountability um so if you fall into that category if you recognize this about yourself and and this is a good opportunity this conversation is a good opportunity for me to encourage you to think about how you respond to expectations if you respond well to expectations you set for yourself and expectations other people set for you you would fall into the category of upholder And um, if you don't respond well to your own expectations but tend to respond well to other people's outside expectations of you, um, you would be an obliger. Um, And there are two others, too. There are rebels who (laughs) reject all expectations. And um, there are questioners who tend to ask questions and want more information. Um, And then once they're satisfied that an expectation is reasonable, it doesn't matter where it comes from, they will uphold it. Um, So, anyway, that's just a a brief primer. If you want more about that, you can go to GretchenRubin.com or check out the Happier Podcast. I'm I'm really a big fan of Gretchen Rubin, and I love her categorization of people into the four tendencies. Um, But so this one is a really good one for people who might be obligers or people who might be upholders to hold yourself accountable in some way. And this works for a lot of people. I don't know what the percentages are of these different categories that Gretchen Rubin has come up with, Um, but... I think a lot of people respond well to outside expectations. So if you're finding yourself not motivated or not meeting a goal that you have set for yourself, look for some outside accountability. This is something you hear about all the time. Like, oh, if you wanna make going to the gym happen, then you know plan to meet your friend at the gym. And then you'll wake up in your alarm in the morning and you'll think, oh, if I don't go to the gym, my friend's gonna be there waiting for me and I'm going to let them down. So I'm going to the gym, right? So that does work. You know, so it's a cliche for a reason. It definitely works. Um, So if you want to set that kind of a goal for exercising, setting a good habit, then, you know, doing it with a friend is a great way to do it. But there are some other ways um, to hold yourself accountable for things. And it doesn't have to just be exercise goals. It could be holding yourself accountable for staying on a budget. Um, And one of the ways you can do that is to let other people know about it. You can let other people know um, in your own life, Maybe share with uh, some of your girlfriends or share with your mom, like, I'm not going to spend anything on credit cards, you know, this month and ask them to check in with you. Um, that's that's a great way to hold yourself accountable um, or even just post about it on social media. You can share. And I've seen people do this before where it's like, my goal is to whatever it is, for the next 30 days, right? Go to bed by 10 p.m. for the next 30 days. You could announce that to people on social media and have them call you out on it if they see you cruising Facebook at 10.30. Um, Just put the idea out there. And even sometimes, even if nobody is actually checking up on you, having put it out there lays some expectation on you that otherwise wouldn't be there and an accountability that can really help you to kind of follow through. Um, It really kind of sets that expectation interiorly Even just for yourself, that this is happening. I've made this public. I've shared it. It's real. I've said it. It's a real goal. Um, Or you can hold yourself accountable just on your own by setting alarms. I know I do this. I've shared before for uh, family prayer time. An alarm goes off on my phone every night at 8 p.m. to remind me that it's time for family prayers. And I'm not always able to drop everything and do family prayers at that time. Sometimes we're in the middle of something. Sometimes I'm um, in the middle of something and I know I'm going to be for a long time and maybe I'm not going to get to it. And I feel super guilty turning off that alarm. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but I think it could work for you too. Um, that it's not a way of being perfect, but it's a way of making yourself aware. I have this goal. And at this moment, i I'm not meeting it. It makes it super clear. It's not just like this vague notion of, oh yeah, I'm going to get to that. And then you forget about it and you don't. It's about making a choice inside of that moment. So it doesn't have to be for family prayer time. You could set an alarm on your phone that reminds you it's 3 p.m. and every day at 3 p.m. you are going to Um, say Divine Mercy Chaplet, or you are going to go for a run, or you're going to do some um, reading in that book that you want to finish reading, or you're going to uh, declutter your living room, whatever it is that your goal is, your healthy habit that you want to set, you can use alarms on your phone as a way to kind of remind you of that goal that you have in mind. So um, that's a really easy way to do that. Um, Or just writing them out. That can make it real for people. Um, You know, studies show that people who write out their goals are much more likely to achieve them. And we can hear this and we can know it. And then so many of us don't write down our goals. Why do we do this? Make a list. If you're thinking of some healthy habits, some good habits you wanna take on while we're talking here on the podcast, Write down what they are. Take a minute right now and write it down. Even if it's just like a note on your phone, make that list of what your goals are. You could make goals for each day. Um, some people are that organized. I've shared before on the podcast how a lot of times the night before, especially a busy day, I will sit down and I will write every single thing that I I want or need to accomplish the next day and have that list. Not necessarily even just to be consulting it, but just to put it out there. Here are my goals for the day. Um, but it doesn't even have to be for the day. It might be your goals for the week. It might be your goals for the month. It might be your goals for the coming year. It might be, at this time of year, your goals for the summer. So, you know, mark the days on your calendar, maybe mark some check-ins with reminders on your calendar. I love using technology for these things because I will set reminders sometimes in my calendar. If you use Google Calendar or whatever you use, um, you can set reminders in it that will send you a little email or it will pop up on your phone as a notification with whatever note you want it to say, like, you know, 10 days into when you want to achieve this goal. Like have a little check-in set for yourself, like, how are you doing? Have you done this for the past 10 days? Um, It's really a very simple way of kind of checking in and giving yourself that accountability, even just within yourself. Okay, so the last way that I want to encourage you to think about making your good habits stick is to set smart goals. Now, this is something I've seen in a few different places. I don't know where it originated, so I can't really give credit because I've seen it in a number of places. And I did a Google search as I was preparing for this podcast, and it seems like it's in a number of places. So smart goals are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-based. Well, there's some overlap in some of those. So S-M-A-R-T, specific. Let's talk about what specific goals. So this is a way of approaching um, your goals before you even set them, like making sure you're setting good goals for good habits, okay? So when you're thinking about what your goal might be, making it specific is so super helpful. You don't want to just say, I just want to eat healthier. Well, that's great you know, but, um, what specifically do you want to do? Are there certain foods you want to be avoiding? Are there certain foods you just want to eat less of? Are there foods you want to be eating more of? Um, do you want a certain percentage of what you're eating to be fruits and vegetables? You know, whatever, make it a specific goal as much as you reasonably can. Um, if you're setting a goal for, um, maybe spending time with your kids, um, maybe you want to say, Three days a week, I want to spend an hour after school um, playing a game with my kids. You know, something specific like that. Whatever it is, is your, your, your particular um, goal. But be specific about it because when we're vague, it's so easy to not even imagine it, first of all. It's so out there, right? It's so general. And it's so easy to not even feel bad when we're falling short of it because really, what even was that anyway? You know, like the super vague goal of healthier eating or a good marriage or, you know, whatever. Um, Being specific about what your good habit is that you want to establish is super helpful. And along with the specificity comes it being measurable. You should be able to tell, you know, five days in, 10 days in, 30 days in, you should be able to tell if you are succeeding or failing. You should be able to say, I've done this for 10 days or I haven't done this for 10 days. It should be clear. It should be measurable in that way. Okay. The A is for achievable. This is where we try to be realistic, which is the second one. I think somebody cheated in making this smart goals little acronym here because specific and measurable are kind of related, but achievable and realistic are, are kind of hand in hand as well. So achievable, realistic. what what is what is reasonable? Start small. Start, you know, I I know the temptation always is because especially if we're feeling bad about some area of our life that we want to improve and we want to set a good habit in that area, sometimes the temptation is to overkill, right? To overcompensate for the ways in which we feel like we failed, the ways in which we feel like we're failing, we're coming up short, we feel bad that we've let ourselves get so out of shape, or we feel bad that we've been neglecting our marriage, or we feel bad that we haven't been um, making daily prayer time a habit and then we overcompensate we in a way sort of almost of punishing ourselves in how we're approaching that goal that's not good don't don't approach a goal trying to punish yourself don't approach a goal out of like guilt or shame or um anger at yourself or self-loathing those are not positive feelings and if you're approaching with those kinds of feelings Everything about it's going to be negative. Everything about it's going to be skewed negative. And you're going to be more tempted to set a goal that isn't even achievable or realistic. So start where you are. So whatever it is that you're struggling with, even if you feel very bad about it, I want to encourage you as you're thinking about setting a new good habit, a new goal. Think about it in a positive way. Forgive yourself for where you are. This is so huge. And I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but this is something that I see and, and I know I've experienced it myself time and again. There's so much benefit to starting um, working toward a new goal or working toward setting a new habit by first of all, just forgiving yourself for where you are. Because when we begin, sometimes we, we're really just we're, we're so disappointed in ourselves or we're so ashamed of where we are that we're beginning out of a sense of shame or guilt or anger with ourselves or self-loathing. And that attaches so much negativity toward our motivation for this goal. But begin by accepting where you are, forgiving yourself for where you are, not looking to beat yourself up for where you are, accepting it the way that God loves you and accepts you right where you are. God knows about the mess that you are, the mess that I am, the mess that every one of us is, and he is not discouraged. He wants us to take those tiny little steps toward improving in these various areas of our lives, whether it's a spiritual goal you have or a relationship goal or a health goal. He wants us, he wants us to set reasonable goals for good reasons, out of self-love, not self-loathing. Because God loves us. He sees us right where we are inside of our mess. And he loves us there in that mess. But he also calls us out of it. He calls us toward that improvement that we know. But we're not going to get there by beating ourselves up. We're not going to get there by beating ourselves over the head with what a miserable failure we are with guilt and shame and hatred. So start where you are. Forgive yourself for where you are and then set a reasonable goal, an achievable goal, and then here's the good news. Once you achieve it, you can set the next thing. You can move it up. You can challenge yourself further. You will still get to that place. In fact, you're much more likely to get to that place of your final goal of um, you know, whatever it is in whatever area of your life you're looking to improve or establish a healthy habit if you start out with these smaller, more achievable and realistic goals. Okay, so specific, measurable, achievable, realistic. And the last one time based. Okay, so I like this one because these are fun. It is fun to challenge yourself and start with a small time. Start with a day, start with a week. Don't say I'm going to do this all year. These are the things <laughs> we do in January, right? I'm going to for all of 2019 do X, y or Z. But you know make it achievable and and make it kind of fun so that you can do it say I'm going to do this for five days out of the 5 out of the next 7 days I'm going to do this whether it's I'm going to not eat ice cream or I'm going to put my phone away and spend uninterrupted time with my husband after dinner or I'm going to spend 30 minutes reading a book whatever it is and I'm not telling you what your good goals should be or what your healthy habits should be you're telling you that okay that's that's separate from this podcast I'm telling you how to get there um so be specific about how you want to achieve that with regard to a certain time frame and then you get you get to celebrate at the end of that time frame when you've achieved it and then set your next time framed goal okay so make sure your goals are smart so again that means specific measurable achievable realistic and time based Okay, you probably have some ideas or maybe like Erin, you struggle with some of these things. Um, I would love to hear from you, whether you're struggling or whether you wanna share a triumph in establishing a good habit, making it stick. I wanna know from you and the other people here on the podcast also wanna hear from you best thing you can do is record a voicemail and send it to me at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can also email me at that address or connect with me on social media. I always love to hear from you. We all benefit from other people's perspectives and I can only share my own here. So do us all a favor here at Girlfriends and send us your feedback. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more. Okay, now it's time for a little bit of feedback. And I told you I would share um, an email from a listener, Margaret, who wrote in about the four tendencies, those different kinds of temperaments that I mentioned earlier in this podcast um, that are put together by Gretchen Rubin, who's an author and a podcaster over at The Happier Podcast. Anyway, Margaret wrote in, Hi, Danielle. You introduced me to Gretchen Rubin, I think, when you mentioned The Happiness Podcast once on your own podcast. Somehow, I got to her four tendencies a few months ago, and it has been so... So enlightening. Of course, now I see evidence everywhere of how different people respond. Yesterday on your podcast, you mentioned how it feels free. I am a rebel to eat all the Easter candy I want and indulge in the things I abstained from during Lent, like coffee. Except, like you, now I don't feel so great. I heard you say that it's time to sit down and have a talk with myself. And I keep thinking about that in line with the four tendencies. I do not ever recall sitting down to have a talk with myself. Would I rebel if I did? Probably. You must be an upholder. I am still learning about this, but it has been wonderful to get a fresh perspective on what makes people tick. God bless you. Margaret. So Margaret, I appreciate um, your little input about the four tendencies and our different responses to that. And I thought that was really interesting saying that you would never say to yourself, have a talk with myself. And um, yeah, I do that all the time. (laughs) So you are 100% correct that I'm an upholder. So um, just a little refresher, or for people who aren't familiar with the tendencies, an upholder is somebody who responds, um, who tends to meet expectations from others from the outside and from themselves if they're setting their own inner expectations. And um, yeah, I do fit that category. And I love the idea of you being a rebel and possibly rebelling against yourself if ever you sat down to have a talk with yourself. Um, I do find this endlessly fascinating. So if other people want to check it out, I'll put a link in the show notes to um, Gretchen Rubin's website with a little description of the four tendencies. Um, Other things that people, you know, along the same lines are the different kinds of Temperaments, the 16 personalities, um, all of those things. I also find those fascinating. So maybe I will do a show on those. um, If you have any feedback or input on what angle I might take with that show, because I'm not an expert on these things. I do just find it fascinating to talk about and to think about. Um, And I love analyzing people in my life. You're you're also right, Margaret. Once you know those four tendencies, it's hard not to go around categorizing people. And I've had some really great conversations with friends of mine, um, also with with my kids, with regard to what our tendencies are. And I love that Gretchen Rubin calls them tendencies because that's a helpful way to think about our temperaments, the ways that we're wired. It's not like, it's not a sentence for you. Like you have the, you know, you have this kind of temperament, so you will act this way. It's a tendency. It's what you prefer. It's a way that you respond to yourself and to the world around you. And it's something this is helpful because there are there are pros and cons of each of these things that you can overcome if you need to. It's something you can work around if you need to. Or once you know yourself in these ways, you can begin to work with what is more likely to help you meet your goals. Like we were talking about on today's podcast, how to make good habits stick. Well, then once you know what your own tendency is and your own temperament, you can begin to make a plan for what you're most likely to respond well to. So really helpful stuff. Um, Like I said, I'm not sure exactly what angle I would take with talking about the temperaments or the tendencies in a podcast um not being an expert on these things I don't have anything particular to offer in that way but it might be helpful just to kind of run through um kind of a primer of these things or look at a few different ways of categorizing people categorizing ourselves um if nothing else I find it's a really helpful way to approach relationships because if you know what people's tendencies are, um, it, it's it's helpful in knowing how to relate to them, how to approach them, how to communicate with them and have them respond to you in a positive way. Not being manipulative, but understanding how they're going to hear what you're saying. It's hugely helpful. So I found it's really helpful with my kids. It's been helpful to me personally and, and helpful in marriage as well. So um, again, I'll put a, a link in the show notes. The show notes for every episode of the Girlfriends Podcast are always available at ascensionpress.com. All of the shows are hosted there now. So if you go to daniellebean.com, for years I hosted the podcast there, but now that Ascension's um, helping me out in producing the podcast, those are always posted over at ascensionpress.com. Go there to get all the links and other information about the show. Okay, before we wrap up this show, I just wanted to mention a few different places that I'm going to be in the coming weeks and months um, in case they happen to be near you and we could meet live in person. I always love the opportunity to do that. So coming up Saturday, May 11th, I'm going to be giving my You Are Enough retreat at Light of the World Roman Catholic Church in Littleton, Colorado. That's Saturday, May 11th. Then Saturday, June 1st, I will be giving my You're Worth It retreat at St. Michael Parish in Exeter, New Hampshire, right here in my home state. Really looking forward to connecting with the women there on Saturday, June 1st. Um on June 18th through the 21st, I'm going to be in St. Petersburg, Florida for the Catholic Media Conference. If you are involved in Catholic media in any way, I would love to connect with you there. Um, they have the Catholic Press Association Awards, the Gabriel Awards. CatholicMom.com has for the first time um, received second place for a Gabriel Award in the group blog category. So I am going to be honored to be there in person June 18th through the 21st to receive that award on behalf of all of our contributors over at Catholic Mom, along with Lisa Hendy. So if you're going to be at that conference, I would love to be able to meet you there. Um, Then Saturday, June 29th, I am going to be at the Catholic Family Conference in Portsmouth, Ohio. I have a link to that um, in the show notes and also to these other events. If you're interested in more information about them, if they happen to be near you, Um, there's a link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Um, then July 30th through August 2nd, I'm going to be at CMN, the Catholic Marketing Network, which is in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Also the Catholic Writers Guild going to be happening at the same place and same time. So I know a lot of um, my writer friends are going to be present there. If you're going to be there in any way, shape or form, or if you're in the area, let me know, give me a shout out, email me, danielle at daniellebean.com and let's make sure that we can connect at those. If you're interested in having me come to your parish, come to your community, speak at your conference or put on my You're Worth It or You Are Enough retreat, you can go to daniellebean.com and click on the speaking tab or on the retreats tab to find out more information about bringing me to your community. There's a little form, it's super easy. Just fill it out and you can get the basics. Bring it to your pastor, bring it to someone who's your event coordinator, inside of your community or you. I've done events where it's just a mom who's never done it before and I'm always happy to work with newbies in that way. So reach out to me in that way and I'll be happy to connect with you and figure out a way that we can make it happen. I love connecting with you here on the podcast, but there is no replacement to those in real life connections. I'm always so grateful for the times when we can meet in person. So for all those events I just listed, for more information about those, possibly registration for some of those retreats, go to ascensionpress.com, click on podcast, find the girlfriends, and you will find it all in the show notes for this episode. And that's all the time we have for today, but I just want to take a moment to thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the Girlfriends podcast community. It truly means so much to me to know that you're there and know that if you are listening to this podcast, I am praying for you and you are a valuable member of the Girlfriends community. Thank you so much for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week.